Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Hi, everybody. Mark and Jess here. And before we jump into today's conversation, I want to share with you one of my favorite things that we do here at Menlo Church. This is our commitment in the Thanksgiving season to serve others. It's Mm -hmm. one of the way that we share Jesus's command to love others, especially those that are in the Bay, our neighbors right here. And one example of how we do this is serving through our mobile food pantry at the Mountain View campus. Such a cool thing. Twice a month, volunteers take time out of their day and they just distribute food, build relationships, and it's all with the locals of the Mountain View campus. So in addition to supplying food, God provides in so many ways through this ministry. Jess, do you have any stories about this? Yes. I heard about a Brazilian woman. She had just received a cancer diagnosis. Mm. She came for food, but we they slowly realized that what she really needed was some prayer. Okay. Um, and they found a Portuguese translator who prayed over the phone for her healing. What? And the volunteer community surrounded her during that That's prayer. Great. It was They said it was just such a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is that over the summer, some high school students served with them. And while the students grew in their faith, the food recipients enjoyed the dose of energy that yeah. they brought and the care, of course. You know, seeing youths serve you is just an amazing thing. Shout out student ministry. I know. And we cannot do this kind of outreach on our own. For one, it takes partnerships. And the food pantry is run with two of our mission partners, City Team San Jose and Reach Potential. Yeah, those are... I mean, City Seam San Jose and the Reach Potential Movement, like they're such great partners that we have. We're so lucky to be able to be with them. And outreach like this is really made possible through your generous giving. Mm-hmm. This is what, like why it's my favorite thing, but we give every dollar that we get to the Thanksgiving offering, it goes directly to making the Server City projects in winter possible. Every dollar. Every dollar. Every dollar. And when you give to the Thanksgiving offering this year, you will be giving to next year's Winter Mm -hmm. Serve Your City project. So this means that you'll help ensure that others have food, emergency shelters, offer blood drives, support for foster children, and all of that. That's awesome. So if you've actually never given to Menlo Church before, we believe that the Thanksgiving offering is just a great time to take that leap Mm -hmm. and give for the first time. Your donation, like we said, will be spent entirely on projects that help our local neighbors through our Serve Your City projects. Yes. And Serve Your City projects and serving in general, that changes Mm -hmm. lives. That's us going out in the community, brings hope, it gives joy. And it's how we live out Jesus's command to love each other and those around us. So thank you for your support in the Thanksgiving offering and your support for loving our neighbors. Yep. You can go to menlo.church slash give and look for the area to designate it to the Thanksgiving offering. If you come on a Sunday morning, we have special envelopes for this as well. And we really thank you so much for all of your generosity and all of your giving and Serve Your City Projects could not happen without your generosity. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And now let's jump into Menlo Midweek. Welcome everybody to Menlo Midweek. Jessica here. And if you've listened for a while, you know, if I start the podcast, that means that Mark Mornishi is not here. He's usually in charge, but we're good. Hopefully we'll see what happens. So with me today as co-host, the one and only Keith Riley. That's right. Everybody's Woo! favorite backup person when Mark or Jess is out. It's good to be back. Um, first backup. First backup. Number one backup. Number one backup. Number one backup. First good. off the bench. Yep. Uh, I'm, it's a proud moment. <laughs> it's a great moment. Uh, we have the most special guest here, maybe? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll let you know. But uh, we are recording on Sunday, November 6th. Immediately after our congregational vote, where we officially voted in our new senior 
Pastor <laughs> Phil Eubank. Welcome, Phil. Welcome. This welcome. is our studio audience yeah, sound they do. He's, yeah. He's definitely not exhausted emotionally no, and physically no, no. at all <laughs> from just preaching twice this morning and then yeah, going yeah. through a whole congregational vote. And so we decided, why don't you come sit down and just pounding coffee? Yeah. Yeah. This is totally yeah, fine. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's great. And I feel like just to affirm you, Keith, I feel like the most popular player on any football team is the backup quarterback. Oh. So it's just true. something to think about. That's true. It's it's you're the, the, you're it's the, the Jimmy position. G. Yeah. Of Menlo Ooh. Midweek, you wow. are their Super Bowl chances. Wow. So well, we both are very handsome men. So I was going to say yeah, yeah. you're speaking yeah. to a lot you of women. You got a much better beard than he does. Yes, much better. Yeah, beard. much yeah, better. better beard. Yeah, that's so, true. Thank just you. to affirm you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of Jimmy G and the Niners, um, you know you're making a shift now to the wonderful Bay Area, mm-hmm. and you know you preached about being for the Bay. So love to hear some things you're excited about moving to the Bay. How you're going to become a Niners and Giants fan, all those things. What, what whatever you're excited about? Maybe new coffee shop you really want to try. Phils, yeah. are you going to be a Phils fan? I like Phils. Like yeah, it's a good spot. So, yeah. so, uh, so we lived in Seattle uh, for a number of years before Colorado. So. Places like Pete's are pretty familiar to mm-hmm. me and uh, got a great appetite for really good coffee. And actually, Colorado, Denver especially, has become pretty cool mm-hmm. about coffee in the last few years. So, uh, But I'm you know always on, the, always on the hunt for like one-of-a-kind, cool coffee shops. Uh, also, Colorado mountains are incredible, like mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But pretty much from the moment we left uh, the Pacific Northwest, we missed water. Ah. Uh, and so where we live uh, outside of Denver, there is uh, there are these things called reservoirs, which are basically just like really large swimming pools that get made because they know that people would plummet into the depths of depression without any sort of visual water around. Yes. So they'll be like, oh, there's the lake over there. It's like, that's not a lake. That's a bathtub. So, <laughs> uh, so being able to get to the ocean fairly reasonably and see water uh, is so fun and not having a million degrees seems Mm -hmm. really fun and uh where we are is a master planned community in colorado which is fantastic there's lots of really cool things about it one of the things uh that is a little tricky is that because it's a master planned community almost every restaurant is a chain Mm. Uh, and when we were in seattle everything's kind of like you would actually have to work pretty hard to find chains yeah so being able to be in a place with foodie culture and Mm -hmm. stuff that's one of a kind has been really fun and so we're looking forward to all the things that would be exploring about that i heard you already found my favorite texas barbecue place capello oh yeah so good i'm so glad if if you don't believe in god yeah yeah and you go there and have their brisket like you i mean you might not be reform theologically or have you know great trinitarian perspective but yeah, yeah. you are at least a theist right yeah, like i it's, think so i think it, it changes you the yeah, missionary yeah, journey it yeah. was i was not ready i wasn't shout it's, out to carol on session who was like you should go to this place oh, yeah yes. the last time we were here so we showed up i was like this is a different part of menlo yes. park man. <laughs> this, is, this was very different and we walk in and order and it was a million dollars but uh you like sit down and they bring it to us or whatever yeah, yeah. And I took a bite, and it was, yeah. you were teleported. Yes. It was Absolutely. delightful. Yes, so. I, if there's one thing I'm more of an evangelist of than Jesus Christ, it is Capello's Barbecue yeah. in Middlefield and Redwood City. Everybody, please go there this week. Uh, tell Menlo Church sent you. Yeah. Uh, we want to keep them open as a Texan in the area. I need my brisket. Hashtag, so let keep them open. Hashtag for the bay, dude. For the bay. For the mm-hmm. bay. The last time I was there, I got the brisket tacos. Oh, oh my sorry, goodness. Sorry. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I've don't I've never had Texas barbecue before. Yeah. I'm Bay Area born and raised. Yeah. So yeah. barbecue here is like 
barbecue chicken. Yeah. Today we have a, a special person behind the scenes right now working our microphones, uh, Dave Schwartz, and mm-hmm. he's literally about to get out of his chair and go get barbecue as we're right. talking about this. So <laughs> right. I think we need to shift right. conversation. Yeah, yeah. If you hear a door shutting, yeah, the, yeah, chair, the chair away, keeps so. sliding backwards. <laughs> it's good. I think you mean to say voice actor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Locally trained. Mm-hmm. That's why Dave I've never Schwartz. invited him on the podcast. Sure, that I would feel be like intimidating. The rest of us too intimidating. Yeah, I mean, Keith yeah. already up there. Yeah. We've talked about starting a um, podcast called Deep Voices, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's Keith and Scott Pombush, mm-hmm. Matt Summers, and Dave. Yeah, yeah. But then Scott they also Pombush talk about does like have a great voice. Right? Actually, yeah. yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then they talk about deep theological things mm-hmm. in their deep voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You could just call the podcast Menlo Deep. Menlo Deep. Menlo dot deep. Well, thanks so much for being here. We're super excited. So you preached this morning, November 6th. Um, if you're listening to listening to this during the week, uh, you can listen right here on the podcast or head over to youtube.com nope, YouTube. <laughs> slash Menlo Church and you can watch the uh, sermon there. I wonder there. what youtube.church is. YouTube.church. Yeah. Can we trademark that right mm-hmm. now? Um, so why don't you go ahead and give us a little summary of your sermon? Yeah. So obviously this weekend was different mm-hmm. because we're trying to navigate sort of what would normally be a pretty typical message. Also trying to introduce ourselves uh, to Menlo Church, recognizing that we also shot videos that some people watch. And so you're trying to Mm -hmm. not be redundant, but let some folks in and then uh, talk a little bit about the future uh, without, um, yeah, like hopefully with an open hand to say, this is what I feel like God has maybe built Menlo to be about in the next season, but not so presumptuous because uh, I am still by and large pretty ignorant. And so mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's the fine line there. And uh, so I used uh, Nehemiah 1 kind of as a springboard into that conversation uh, where Nehemiah is now hearing a report um, now that um, you have kind of Persian rule sending people back to Jerusalem. They've been there for a number of decades and things are not going well. And, uh, you know, there's this really famous verse in Nehemiah 1 where Nehemiah says, after I heard these things, I sat down and wept and mourned and prayed for days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's just something uh, so powerful about uh, Nehemiah caring so much about a place that he's never been, uh, but that he has this connectivity to that he's willing to let it impact him like that. You know, there's there's so few things for all of us that in a moment, if somebody said something to you or you got a text message or a phone call, we all have them, but in a moment you would go, from not crying to crying. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the depth of emotion that mm-hmm. Nehemiah felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we talked about this idea of what if, what if we were made for this moment? Um, and the idea for Nehemiah that really his entire life had led up to this place where God would ultimately use him in some unbelievable kinds of ways. Uh, and then paralleled that into a little bit of my own story. Um, and then talked a little bit about kind of the future of Menlo and this idea of a new renaissance in the Bay Area of what it could mean to take uh, the best and the brightest that are pioneering technologies and ideas. And rather than a photocopy of a photocopy or a church that might maybe go, what is kind of the standard bearing church idea? Instead saying, what if we took the best and the brightest uh, from places and spaces around the Bay Area, people that were pioneering in technology and brought all of that to bear when we think about uh, intellectually honest, thoughtful, um, historically rooted, robust theology. Uh, and so we just tried to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. what that looked like and uh, challenge folks. Maybe that would be what we could do together. Yeah, I think one thing that came to mind as you were preaching today was um, I grew up here in the Bay Area, so I didn't experience this, but 
I know of people on our staff who moved here from the South um, experienced kind of a lot of people in the South, their congregations kind of being like, why would you go to the Bay Area? Like it's full of sinners and like horrible people. And they're like, you just answered your own question. Like, (laughs) this is why I'm here. Did you have you experienced that or Keith even moving from Texas? Was there any of that? Uh, There was a lot of opinions from (laughs) Texas people when I told them I was going to move to California. yeah, I don't, you know, partially I think what's interesting, you know, living in those two different places is people that are honestly just so similar. Um, there, sure, there's some, there's some identities. I think in where I grew up, there was a lot of identity around going to church on Sundays. But for a lot of those people, it was like this kind of Sunday identity that mm-hmm. they just kind of put on. And then their Monday through Saturday would have looked like anybody else here in the Bay Area that doesn't go mm-hmm. to church. Um, and so, it's kind of interesting when you get in and you kind of see it all like kind of together that people are uh, just really the same, but everybody's has this deep hunger for something, you know? Mm. And I, and you can see that even the people that would just show up on a Sunday, like they were showing up because they knew there was like this hunger for something, but they didn't quite have it. And I think sometimes when you get in culture where churches kind of in the past, like in the Bay area, um, people are just more looking for that in other places. They don't think Mm. to go to the church to try and maybe find that answer. of what is that thing that's missing deep inside them that hunger they feel for something so i don't know that's been my experience at least coming from houston to here so yeah. what part of houston were you in uh mostly on the southwest to west side of town went nice. to a little school there houston baptist university uh now known as houston christian university uh and then worked at a church on the west side in memorial uh, nice. for about eight years i had a virtual assistant for five years amazing uh named natalie who lived in katy texas oh sure yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah never i've never met her in person wow not yeah, one yeah. time oh, that's just crazy. Wild. That's that's um yeah i think everywhere we've had a chance to do ministry on the other side of seminary was like seattle and then where we are in colorado we're 90 plus percent unchurched mm-hmm. um and i think that uh thinking about that p- part of it for us I'd, i did seminary in, in texas and I think there's just something that feels so helpful and clarifying about being in a place where really nobody goes to church because they have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is just really refreshing. And so the idea of what does it look like to call a group of people who it, it probably costs them something, especially mm-hmm. if they're in the marketplace, like it probably costs them something to be intentionally choosing to pursue Jesus and have spiritual practices in their life. Uh, and I just have a lot of respect for people that would choose to live that way and um, exist in cultures that way. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm I'm so thankful to be able to have done ministry in places where that's the case. And I really believe that as we think about what it means to be followers of Jesus in the West in the next decade plus, places like the Bay Area hopefully can help set the tone, right? Because in some ways it feels like you get to see the future a little bit. If you're listening to this and you're not in the Bay Area and where you are, most people go to church and this all feels very foreign to you. As I read kind of our current cultural moment, uh, that is not going to be the case forever. And so my hope would be that uh, followers of Jesus in the Bay Area could be a part of the Capital C Church to help blaze the trail to say this is what it means to intentionally follow Jesus in your everyday life in an increasingly secularized culture. So, yeah, I, I loved... Uh your imagery towards kind of renaissance and we think about these moments within all human history where uh 
the way people see the world has changed rapidly, right? So the printing press created that big moment because all of a sudden knowledge, information was getting out at such a higher speed. And I think, you know, we're still figuring out what the internet's doing for us, right? <laughs> and it's shifting, it's changing us. I mean, yeah. you think that the iPhone came out with like 10 years ago or 15 so? 15 now? 15 now? Yeah. Oh, gosh, 15 years. I'm getting old, guys. <laughs> uh, 15 years ago, but how rapidly that has it changed things, right? So I I really liked your imagery towards like thinking like, how do we be more creative in that? How do we, how do we, how do we, grasp hold of this moment within history that we're in where the world's changing and we need to realize that and maybe how our methods are changing so yeah. um yeah i don't I don't know if you want to speak any more to that but i thought it was a good word yeah. into the future yeah andy stanley he uh he's used this phrase a lot over the course of COVID. he said um that churches are supposed to marry their mission and date their model and he he doesn't mean like a person he means like <laughs> the way they do ministry and but oftentimes what happens is we we are so attached to our model of how we do church mm -hmm. that actually sometimes we jettison our mission. And uh, I think we look at the model of how church functions in the West. And if we are committed to that not changing at all, we will be, uh, we will be on the outside looking in, in my opinion, of what God will do. Because God will do something. God mm -hmm. will continue to move. The church will continue to take ground. There will be, I mean, you even look in um, you know, Europe and places around the world that you could argue are a generation ahead of us, and you look at how God is showing up now, um, and the churches that are sitting dormant are making the difference. It's it's unbelievable new movements of men and women who are choosing to follow Jesus. And so I think uh, being able to say, God, you know what, the, the unchangeable reality of your word, what you say about the life we live, the Great Commission, the Great Commit, like these things that we have historically been committed to, that's not a message we get to go edit. Like we, we mm -hmm. actually just get to hopefully exemplify and communicate it to a culture that desperately needs it and finding new ways to do that. Uh, I think that's always the task of the church. Uh, I would say that um, the church today in 2022 is at a unique inflection point on the other side of COVID. If we could have mapped out another five to 10 years on without COVID, mm -hmm. I think COVID just accelerated mm -hmm. all that attrition. And uh, now we're at a place where we get to see some unique opportunities. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's wild that um, it was like the fall of 2019 where we started conversations about what would it look like to have an online church? Mm. And we started just actually Mark and I were on that team mm. and met with a life church because they kind of spearheaded the whole, you know, I've uh, heard of them. church online. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you haven't heard of them. Uh, and and then, yeah, it was like, you know, March of 2020, we get an email um, we're going to be fully online this Sunday. So can we get this platform yeah, up yeah. and running? <laughs> no, and we're, we're like, um, okay. <laughs> and so it was like the most chaotic yeah. Yeah. couple of days, but it's so true. It's like, we had these plans and it's like, we probably should have launched an online church years ago. Um, and then it just really accelerated that and brought us here. And now we're sitting in this like cool studio space that we're working on. And we've got the, obviously this podcast and other really cool ideas and as part of the creative and production team, I appreciate you liking the technology oh, yeah. and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think one of the things I'm processing right now is that when we think about March, our church in Colorado, uh, man, they, they were so gracious and kind mm -hmm. to kind of jump onto a mission and vision of what it looked like to engage online. And so mm -hmm. we had done a whole bunch of work around technology and production environments and online that really all finished about six months before COVID hit. So we were streaming and wow. we had the things that was really, we were so thankful for the providence of God in that. Um, but I think as we tried to like think about, okay, what would it look like to be good stewards of this moment, to be able to love people well through it? 
I think one of the things we were really trying to do was was remove all friction. So mm-hmm. if somebody thinks about how do I experience church, well, online was the only way to do that. Right. And so all of a sudden, it instantly became, let's remove all friction. Let's make the easy option watching online. And I think the church in 2022, now the question is, how do you leverage digital as good? But then if we believe that the ecclesia, this this movement of Jesus followers is uniquely beneficial in a in a unified way that regularly comes together physically, and spoiler alert, I do think that. Um, <laughs> I think the idea is how do you how do you navigate that? And I think part of it is how do you add back some friction? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you don't do digital. I think in some ways you might do more of it. Uh, but figuring out how to make them complementary to one another and not competitive. And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has that answer yet, right. but right. I think it's a fun question to try right. to think about a solution for. So well I think part of the fun thing for us too is that we hold this ancient faith, you know, in one hand, but then also looking towards the future and where we're going and try to put those together. And I've heard you mention several times spiritual practices, formation. Um, we have a pretty long history of that here, obviously, at the church. Um, I don't know if you're willing to pull back the curtain a little bit, but you've been, you know, in a time of discernment, trying to figure out life. Uh, has there been a space, a practice where you've been kind of meeting God for the last few months mm-hmm. that's kind of been helpful for you and, and yeah, this journey? I think... A lot of time for me, it's uh, it's almost always in solitude. Mm. And I have four little kids and a dog that I didn't want and, uh, <laughs> you know, church staff. And yeah. in some ways, it's, it's kind of felt like we've been working for a couple of different churches here at the same time. Sure. And so being able to carve away space uh, four times of solitude, mm-hmm. um, whether that's study, reflection, honestly, just like on it kind of sitting and waiting Mm -hmm. on the lord a little bit we have a chair on our front porch uh at our house in colorado and our kids on saturday mornings i don't think know that i go there so let's keep that between (laughs) us Uh, and so i'll get a couple hours out there my message for the weekend is already done all that and so uh, Alyssa and i share a journal together Mm. that we write notes and back and forth to and so i'll like write a note for her and kind of pray for her and then i'll just set that down and just sit uh and i think there's been great opportunities for some clarity. And when we think about, I know Menlo is going to be talking about slowing in this next season, mm-hmm. but when we think about slowing or Sabbath, uh, I, I just think that there is something so valuable for all of us about having times of reset in our pace mm-hmm. that our life actually can pick back up at the correct pace rather than just slowly sort of the status quo of going too fast becomes the thing that we're running at. Yeah. And then we add more and add more and add more. And so those times of solitude for me over the last couple of months, especially have been uh, really, really valuable. So it's well, great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Well, now that you uh, are here and you've preached a little bit so mm-hmm. far, um, what does that writing process look like for you? You just talked about, you know, you got your front porch and all that kind of stuff. But um, one of the new questions we've been asking is what's that process look like? Does it feel chaotic? Do you write with your the computer or like literally write it? How long does that take? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, those are great questions. I've, I've, I've been listening to the podcast, so I've heard everybody's answers, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, yeah, I'm probably, I've been teaching uh, on Sunday morning since I was 16, which wow. is weird. Like that's a weird thing. And uh, so my process over the years has changed and developed. Uh, I think there's something for me about trying to get into the text and just like steep myself in it um, so that it ultimately is what's going to inform the rest of the message, uh, which is the way we want to do it. But I think it's really easy, especially when you start to think about church leadership and directions and vision. It's easy to sort of get to a place, even unintentionally, 
where you're sort of trying to shoehorn in a text to it. Like I've never done that, but I've heard people <laughs> that do that. Um, and, and so I, I think that's just a really good guard for me before commentaries, before outlines, just like look at the text. Sometimes I'll do that on uh, my physical Bible. Sometimes I'll do that in notability on my iPad so I can go nuts on it. Mm. Um, but that's really helpful. And then I'll diagram the text, outline the text, identify key principle, uh, figure out what my main points are going to be. And then I build out from there. Uh, I think that probably I spend about 15 to 20 hours a week in message prep. Um, that's the goal for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a point I think for every communicator where you get past it and you're like, this is maybe better, but I'm not sure it's <laughs> mm -hmm. this much better to necessitate. I have buddies that are incredible communicators and they would say, oh, I spend 40 hours a week prepping. And I'm like, I don't know where that time would come from. Like I could yeah. not sleep, I guess, yeah, yeah. but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so that's, that's sort of for me how it works. Uh, illustrations, transitional thoughts, introduction, usually that stuff is last for me. I go f content out. Mm. Um, and we usually have a central idea for the series that I'm also working with kind of at the same time. So all of it near the end, and I'm building an entire manuscript. So by the time it's done, uh, I have, I mean, you've seen it, like I, almost what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. almost verbatim is written down. So. Keith, who uh, writes the sermon study guide, mm -hmm. I think really appreciates sure, that. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like a good manuscript <laughs> yeah. I can read and so forth. Here to help. I used to not be a manuscript at all, manuscript guy at all. And then uh, I'm a big, big Spurgeon guy. And I read some quote about uh, Spurgeon talking about how we can kind of, uh, we can choose passion over precision, but usually our theology suffers. And so he talks. He talked about the value. It was in. Uh, I have a really a friend of mine who's a professor actually in um, Edinburgh. Huge Spurgeon guy. Really kind of an authority on it. And he sent me a book of class notes from Spurgeon, and it was just like indicting everyone who didn't write manuscripts. <laughs> oh and I was like, and then COVID hit, and your content had to be really specific timed, yeah, and I needed yeah. to look at cameras, and so it yeah. sort of shook me of yeah. less detailed outlines. Yeah, so yeah. Well, all the people that need you to be a specific time around here will greatly appreciate mm -hmm. that as well. So, yeah. Also, the, our producer now, right now, Dave, who does your slides. Yeah. yeah. When you so, get, <laughs> send him that full thing, you're pleasing the right people. With well, I'm not sure Dave actually was as big a fan of it, to be honest. Because <laughs> I think before, Dave was like, oh, there's like one big line he's going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now, uh, people ask me this week, and they're like, do you have all that memorized? I was like, uh, most of it's internalized. But if you look in the back... You it's can kind of read along with me. So it's on a it's on a big screen, thankfully. So, yeah. yep. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, before we end, uh, do you have any questions for us as a, two staff people mm -hmm. from Menlo Church, Bay Area, fun things, not fun things? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would say if you were a 10-year-old mm. and mm. you lived in and around the Bay Area, like mm -hmm. what's on the bucket list of things that that person has to do? Go ahead, Keith. What, you, you got one? Well, I was just, go? Dave whispered something yes. to me, the Exploratorium. I don't I think I know exactly which one that there, is. There's definitely there's plenty to like go around and see, you know, it depends on, on the, on what they like, you know, obviously you talked about beach, you know, my little five-year-old loves to just play in the sand mm -hmm. and play on the beach line. So that's really good. There's some good dog beaches. Yeah. The rest good of your family beaches. can go there's if you a, don't want to take sure, your dog. Sure. There's a little junior zoo museum in Palo Alto that's been good. Mm -hmm. I'm, it was good for my five-year-old. I'm sure a 10-year-old would like it too. Um, 
Yeah, there's tons of stuff up in the city to obviously go see. You can go see all the tourist things, you know, see the see Monterey the Bay Bridge. Aquarium. Monterey yeah. Bay Aquarium is fantastic. One. That's for all ages, too. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the Walt Disney Family Museum is up in oh, the Alyssa's Presidio. Alyssa's a huge Disney person, that, so yeah. she would be all So that's really it. fun. And then their uh, Lucasfilms headquarters is close oh, by shoot. in the Presidio nice. as well. Mm-hmm. You can't get too far in, but you can go in the lobby, see some things, and there's a Yoda statue out front nice. that mm-hmm. I like to go see. Not yeah. pay a homage to in any way. No, no, no. Ask questions, see if he whispers something. Yeah. Whispers back yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. So, you can also yeah. walk through some of the woods, right? Where they film some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots, that's a, lots that's of good, my Star lots Wars. Good Star Wars. Right no, if you go up to Muir Woods, you kind of almost feel like you're walking in indoor, uh, cool. re- ready for some Ewoks to jump out at you. If you cross the Bay Bridge uh, and go into Oakland, you'll see these huge things that they used to take cargo off of the ships. And that was what inspired George Lucas to make that really? uh, Adat Walkers in uh, Look at this. Empire Strikes Back. That's amazing. Um, so I don't know if a ten year old like that, but you, you gotta, you gotta check those things out. <laughs> oh yeah, we're supposed to for ten year old. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of that good stuff. But, I mean, the good thing too is, you know, we're kind of positioned in between San Francisco and San Jose mm-hmm. over here, and so uh, there's lots of great shows that come through. So yeah, uh, we've been looking at getting Bluey tickets. The Bluey live yes. shows coming through. Oh, I, I don't know if Bluey's a big fan. That might of yours, sell out. Wells is my it. goodness. That I don't have yes. kids, and I'm a big he Bluey fan. Bluey. Yeah, so he the was Blue- Bluey for. Uh, Halloween, and he has been bluey for his pajamas okay. every night. Since. Nice. So I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the link because I'm pretty sure it's coming in January. Oh, so yeah, it might dude. be perfect timing out. for you. Send that out. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so there's lots of good stuff like like we've taken her to see like Disney on Ice and all sure. that type of stuff. So those things come through, and yep. you mm-hmm. typically find a good date between San Francisco and San Jose. That's that great. Around, That's really so. helpful. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, you know, for adults too, like, you know, Wicked comes through and yeah, yeah. all those big productions. San yeah. Francisco is a great spot for that. That's fun. My daughter is in a children's version of Wicked right oh. now. So, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Also, lots of sports around here. Yeah. So we've got, you know, Giants, 49ers, Raiders if you have to, A's if you have to. Yeah. Championship winning Warriors. Warriors mm-hmm. Earthquakes. Pretty much yeah. every sport, which you is You guys nice. can't yeah. see this because it's an audio podcast, but Keith just drained a three. I just drained a three. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've been learning from Steph a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It's good. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being here. We're super thanks excited to have me. you. Um, a couple things I think we're coming up next week. We have uh, the, oh, I'm forgetting President right now. Fuller. Thank you. President mm-hmm. of yep. Fuller Seminary. Mark Laberton will be here. If you are local in the Bay Area, we're also having baptisms at some of our campuses. So go to menlaw.church slash baptisms if you want to learn about those. Um, then we've got Advent is starting in just a couple of weeks. We've got the full Christmas season coming up. It's my favorite time of year besides my birthday. Uh, and then you will be back for live preaching Christmas Eve, Menlo Park, December 23rd and 24th. Correct. So I think um, there's some information already in the bulletins. Um, but for sure, December 1st is usually when we launch Menlo.church slash Christmas. Nice. We'll yes. be everywhere. And then you'll be here in January. That's right. We're excited mm-hmm. to have you yeah, back. I think we're, we're trying to, like, I want to set expectations. We're trying to slow play me consistently being teaching on the weekend so that the month of January by and large I can go hang out with different campuses so uh, I'm sure more details will emerge but we're excited and um, yeah there's lots of lots of fun ahead awesome cool well thanks again and we'll talk to you guys all next week yeah have a great week everybody bye everybody bye well thanks so much for listening and our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays, and this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith 
whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.